Hi, my name is Lanice. I am more affectionately known as Lord Funk. And I am the owner of a beauty and wellness brand called Funk and Flow. And you are now tuned in to the Unconventional Christian Podcast. Welcome to the Unconventional Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Ladoon Thompson. And today we have my sister, my friend, my accountability partner, Lord Funk, a.k.a. Lanice, a.k.a. Mamiana. <laughs> What's good? Everything. Everything is good. That's what I like to hear. Um, man, yeah, I appreciate you driving up today. That's mm -hmm. that's what I call obedience. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like you are queen obedience. I'm trying. What do you think about that? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I feel like it's... Sometimes you, you use obedience to reset the course. So that's what I feel like. You know, you consistently doing things your way and then he pause you in your tracks and you know, sometimes you don't really have no choice. Mm. For you, <laughs> and I think about you, and I, every time I think about you, say that phrase for me because I know I jack it up. I all do too. The I time. do too because it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we kind of go back and forth with it, but um, I think it's on the lines of, um, Sacrifice wouldn't hurt so much if we were obedient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't feel like so much of a sacrifice yeah. if you were obedient when yeah. God first put on your heart. Yeah. What in your life, <laughs> if you had to look back on it, what was a time that you remember the most when you were not obedient? And how has it felt like a sacrifice now? Oh, goodness. Um, The first thing that come to mind is... It, it I would it would be consistent fornication. Mm. <laughs> so um, it's certain sacrifices that I, of course that every um, mother has to um, endure when they have children. Right. Um, but I think we kind of look at sacrifice um, with a negative perspective as opposed to um, maybe more so like stabilization. It's probably things that I've understood through these sacrifices of being a mom. Um, consistency, learning how to finish things or, you know, follow through. Like I've learned a lot of, um, I've learned a lot from sacrifice. Right. Um, more so than um, being consistently obedient. Mm. It, it kind of pauses, I think obedience kind of pauses me to, um, like, to me, it's always my Damascus road. So it's always, you either going to do this or, you know what I mean? It's, there's really no other option. So, mm. so I mean, when I think about that for you, because I know, like, and I think that obedience itself is something that is a is a constant journey. You know what I mean? I think as I think as believers, I think a lot of times we are focused on. We realize in the journey that a lot of times there's the basic where you know the things that are outside of God's will. Mm -hmm. There's the permissive will, and there's the perfect will, right? Mm -hmm. Now, for you, on that journey, where do you think you are on that? <laughs> um, I think I've become perfected in his permissive will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't really, I can't really, I don't, I think everybody's journey is, and I don't want to say everybody's journey is different. It's, it's so cliche, but I feel like everybody's journey is pretty consistent, Um in this culture and in our subculture, like I feel like everybody's journey is pretty much the same where we have not been completely obedient right. or um, 
and not even just daily, shoot, weekly, monthly. Like, it's a lot of things that we aren't very consistent with um, as far as um, our requests of God. Because I, I'm not, he doesn't really um, make us do anything. That's the whole point of free will. Right. But <clears throat> I feel like um, I have been perfected in his permissive will. Right. Hmm. All right. You know, first off, <laughs> yo, because you know with me, our mm-hmm. conversations are always continuations. Yes. So, you and know long. what? For the sake of everyone <laughs> watching, this is like almost a continuous, con- this is a continuation of conversations we've had for years. So, first of all, can you introduce yourself to okay. people? Who, who <laughs> is Lord Funk, a.k.a. Lanice? So, um... My birth name is Lenice. Um, I have been, I have become Lord Funk. Um, I used to own a hair salon, and so now I um, and I used to own a studio. So my salon was called Funk, and my student, my yoga studio was called Flow. So I merged the brands together, and now I have a beauty and wellness company called Funk and Flow. And so <clears throat> it basically deals with enhancing natural beauty, um, and going against the cliche of what wellness looks like. In our society. And so that's kind of where like Lord Funk kind of came from. Um, And then I kind of moved into a mental health space when I started having personal mental health issues or um, I don't want to say, I mean, it was struggling, but I just feel like the word is is used very commonly. But um, struggling with mental health, I kind of moved into um, a mental health space when I initially went to college. Um, I went to Howard and um, I was a psych major. For majority of my studies, <laughs> I probably switched my major like four or five times, but <laughs> for majority of my studies are in psychology. And so um, I am very partial to people who struggle or people who are um, coping with mental health issues. Mm. Okay. So for you, as you know, we could dive straight into it because that's <laughs> one of the things that, and I think for me, what drew me to you as a and, you know, I'll say this. You're one of a few people that are my accountability partners, right? But realistically, it came from a place where I knew before we were friends mm-hmm. that we were going to be friends. Mm, that's good. And it's almost like the Bible verse, before I knew you. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Like you, there's uh, Ace Hood, there's Anytime Bariola, there's Call Me Bova. Oh, I feel honored to be. You're in that circle. <laughs> to be you're, in a place with them, like I mean, you're who I talk to. Yeah. I go through things. We have conversations, and we're real. We're transparent. We're mm-hmm. vulnerable, and it's what allows us to be able to um, hold ourselves to the fire. And you're somebody. Sometimes you hold me to the fire. Sometimes I hold you <laughs> to the fire, and we have uncomfortable conversations. Yes. Yet. <laughs> It's moments where it's like that aha moment, even if it's after we hang up. Sometimes you mm-hmm. tell me something I don't, I ain't want to hear. Like you might, you like you, you gotta let that thing go. I'd be like, right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call you back. I got a meeting. I, got, I gotta go. <laughs> but in reality, we've had conversations over the past couple years that mm-hmm. have just like um, struck a chord with me. And for you, when it came to vulnerable and transparency, like years into our relationship, there was a moment when you was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm type whatever bipolar, and mm-hmm. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. I was like. But I never knew. Like, you don't look like a bipolar. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, what was that moment when you, um, when did you realize, first off, that you uh, were bipolar? Um, I, 
I think I for years, probably since I was like fourteen or sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably started therapy very young. I wasn't very consistent with it. My mother is like a school counselor. She went to school. She also went to school for psychology. She got a couple master's degrees. Really? Um, in the field, in the mental health field, and so, um, therapy was never a cliche in my house. Um, she probably went for like marriage counseling or something like that. But not really personally. Right. Um, but she sent me very young. I think she probably just, I was her first child. She really just didn't understand me. I really didn't understand myself either. Um, and so moving forward, just years of um, struggling with identity right. um, and society because I felt like I was like a total dichotomy or I was, a, I was with the cool crowd, but I was always in the advanced classes with the nerds or right. I look and dress this way but I went to you know what I mean I used to go to the ballet and I used to go to you know I love theater and stuff like that so right. it was it was very um I just didn't look like my outsides didn't match my insides and so I thought that I needed to be a certain type or right. I needed to look a certain way if I was a certain way and so I think <clears throat> just years of trying to figure out who I was right. and then in 2015 I um I just abruptly um, quit doing hair. Like, Mm. I just woke up one morning, quit doing hair, and two days later, I cleaned out my entire salon. Mm. And so, um, it was, um, when I did go see a doctor, probably like a week or two later, um, they were just informing me that it was a form of mania and that I was type 2 bipolar. Mm. So... Um, in learning my diagnosis, it helped me to understand or put a better understanding to, um, reaching who I was and who I wanted to be. Right. Yeah. So, um, ever since then, I probably have been, I've tried different medications. I started teaching yoga. I started like being very consistent in yogic practices and studying. Um, it probably, and then yoga ended up. I was always like, not always, but I had been consistently in my word since probably about 2004, 2005. But in after 2015, um, I started yoga like the next year. Right. And then it kind of drew me closer to God. Mm. So now with you and then being in that space of realizing, hey, I'm bipolar. How has that, um, I think, how has it affected your relationship with faith? You know what I mean? How have you mm. been able to balance, <laughs> like, you know, what someone would call a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. and also, like, saying, I want to balance faith as well with that? Being the fact that you've always been in your word. Now, yeah. how do you implement your word into your um, story? Finding somebody that re- that you relate to biblically. Mm. And so my two favorite people in the Bible was David and Paul. And so Paul... Um, you know when he talks about his affliction, or he talks about his thorn that he can't be that can't be removed. Um, in a more natural sense, it's probably him dealing with a mental illness, right. like something that he just can't shake. Right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have anything. It doesn't diminish his faith. It doesn't diminish his relationship with God or anything like that. But um, for me, I love the fact that Paul always. You know, he he strides through right. and whatever he does. And so for me, that was, um, I just had to find people in the Bible that I related with. And so even with David, 
Um, it was certain things that I really, um, when we did talk about like sacrifice and when we talk about um, obedience, it was certain things that I felt like David did um, out of um, just basically like his sexual desires and pleasantries right. that he that he would indulge in um i could totally relate to right and it was certain things that he was not be, he wasn't permitted to do as right. of that and that um luckily his children got access to certain things um even though he wasn't you know he did he wasn't privy to certain things so um i think when you are looking to intersect your faith with mental illness um try to find somebody who you can really understand and relate to um and it'll help you understand what you going through a little bit better. Mm. Okay. No, that's 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 real. Like, you know, um, I got to find my person. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times I look at Job, mm -hmm. and I've had Job moments, but I don't think I've been... I don't think I've been, been put to the fire like yeah. he has. So when I say that, you know, um, thoughts become things. So when you start to, like, say, that's my person, and God's mm -hmm. like, all right, cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Let's see where you are in this journey. And I, I, you know, um, you know, I do in this space where I am now, I've leaned more into the discomfort of where God is leading me to. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a perfect journey. And I think that our ability as I would say influencers mm -hmm. to be transparent and vulnerable is our gospel to the world. You know what I mean? Because oh, people see you and they don't understand like you know every we talk and we speak all the time and I, I learn more about you and your journey all the time you know what I mean like you know people look at you and you know even on social media you come on your page it's like oh she's beautiful my you know let's add into the fact that your hair is laid today <laughs> yo your hair is laid Thanks. by the way so um, bringing it back, but I'm just saying, like, even now in a space, like, you're a, you're a mom of three mm -hmm. currently. Yeah, currently. <laughs> and in the next couple months, that will be, be a mother of five. Mother of five. Yeah. You got two on the way. Congratulations. <laughs> so, and it's, and, and I love just being in a space because, you know, remember, that, I don't know that video that you had maybe years ago where you were talking. And I think a lot of women, um, are able to understand the journey a little better because coming from our community, you know, you have women who don't feel worthy anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't feel worthy because, hey, I've had one baby father, two baby fathers, mm -hmm. three baby fathers, and it never worked out. And now in this space, like, you're vulnerable. You're in a space. Yeah. You're like, hey, y'all, I'm on baby father number, number four. four. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in this journey now where you are with, you know, having uh, four or five coming on the way. Mm -hmm. um, where in your journey are you with in your faith? Like, like, how is it? Where do you think that, like, I think the real question is, like, now that you're in this space, mm -hmm. what is it that God wants you to give to the world? <sighs> well, clearly, one's... <laughs> I mean, it, one saved the other one, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, so originally, I didn't want any children, um, and like I've I've really been coming to grips with the fact that I've been a mother before I became a woman. So I had my first child at sixteen, um, and the experience. I, I was just in a very different place than I am now. Um, right. She's not, and I think a lot of times. Um, 
for women or for just parents, period, you don't want your child to fall victim to the th- same things that you fall victim to. So the space that I was in when I was 16 is a totally different space than I am now as a woman um, of a certain age. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now having children. And so to just look back, um, I think to see the fruits of my labor um, as far as parenting and removing myself from certain things um, and not... I, I say I'm a single woman who has children as opposed to saying I'm a single parent because I, I'm, I'm probably anomaly. I'm an anomaly as far as I don't have as many children's fathers that I have. Every single one of them takes care of their children. So I, I never had to do the, the badgering and the, can you come pick up and I need you to, and, and in the beginning, I'm not saying that every, you know, every situation was perfect or anything like that. But, um, and we all have had trials and tribulations. And how many of us have had, I'm pretty sure more than just me have had um, more than four relationships in their life. You right, know what I mean? And right. so um, I think people used to think that it would get to me. And they probably used to because I just didn't know who I was when it came to that. Um, but I pride myself on being a mother now. And I know a lot of it came from my relationship with my best friend, like, and she wanted to be a mother and I could never understand it because I wanted to be a businesswoman. Like I Mm. never, being a mother was never my thing. And so, um, for me, that kind of helped me understand the responsibility of cultivating the next generation and creating change agents, um, that can, I can leave a legacy to. And because my children are very much, not normal. So like my daughter, um, my oldest is 21 and she has her own, um, she's an entrepreneur. She has her own clothing line and she goes to Clark. She has her own apartment in Atlanta. She has her own house. You know what I mean? She has her own car. She, so for me, those are fruits of my labor that are, um, manifesting my son. He's 16. Um, he's been producing music since he was like nine years old. He started playing the drums at, um, two, he for the last two years he self taught on the What's guitar and on the bass. His name is Sheldon. Sheldon, yo, he's, so. he's, he's a, you know, I've, you know, I've watched him and it's so funny. It's like he's so talented. Yeah, he's so talented. And it's like, you know what I mean? Is and, and these are things that you pray for for your children that you just don't think are going to um to manifest. And what I really understood was about speaking over my children's life, not right. only before they come. So I'm very intentional about that presently because mm-hmm. there are certain things I'm trying to manifest with these two um, that might, I know it's going to supersede what I have done. And um, then my youngest daughter, she's 11. She is a dancer. It just came naturally. And so um, she got accepted into a couple schools in Charlotte, like dance schools in Charlotte, because we were in the process of moving there before I found out I was pregnant. Um, they, she's in a, she's in a hip hop competition team. They travel all up and down the East coast. So it's like my children aren't normal, like just go to school and probably play soccer and they come home and is, you know what I mean? So they, they're, yeah, they're very different. They're very busy. And so, um, I did have to learn, like most recently I was reading, um, I know I was reading first Kings. Um, my friend, a friend of mine was bringing it up. So we were kind of going over first Kings, 316 and um it, it goes back into where it's two women two prostitutes well they two women they live in the same house right. one have a baby 
And three days later, the other one have a baby. So right. the first lady, she rolls over on the first baby. So she tries to switch the babies. Mm. And then the second lady is like, this is not my child. Right. So Solomon comes in and he's like, well, I'll just cut this baby in half. Right. And so the first lady is like, okay, go ahead. And then the second lady is more so like, no, well, you know what? Just give her the baby. Right. And so for me, it reminded me of so many things where you... You give up so much of yourself sometimes that you'll give up the child so that they can have a better life. So, you know, some two of my children went to stay with their dad part-time. Um, right. Now my son lives in Portland with his dad. So I had to really come to grips with letting my, letting my children go mm-hmm. so that they can live. Right. And that was probably the hardest thing. Right, right, right. Because I see Nay is doing her thing yeah. in Atlanta. She is, yeah. It's good to watch. It's yeah. really good to watch. And it's good to watch her be um, very on top of she struggles with anxiety really badly. And, um, you know, she might have went different route with marijuana. Right. But right, right. <laughs> it it I mean, it's like, how do you tell your daughter who is getting straight A's in school to just stop using marijuana? Because. At that point, that's when the anxiety is going to go up. You know what I mean? Right. And so, I feel like it's other way, it's other routes that she could have taken um, that might have been worse. But um, even her just building her own relationship mm-hmm. with God and her own study time. She taking right now. She on a forty day fast that she took upon herself to take. Right. Um, with removing marijuana from her diet, certain meats and stuff like that. And this is her own ideas. Right. So I think. Um, we do. We really do have to understand that as parents, we really are um, training up the next generation of change agents. Right. I know that was so, a lot to unpack. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> I, no, not absolutely not. Okay. How 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 beautiful is it now in this space to to be able to see your children thrive? You know, what I mean, coming from where you come from, feeling like possible that the possibility of generational curses could be passed down, but you can really see the yoke of it breaking. You know what I mean? To see it in your children, to see God flowing through your children in this season. Like, what, I feel like, what What do you feel like you did in this, like, past time? Why you, knowing mm-hmm. that naturally, it's almost to me like a Hezekiah situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know that naturally you're coming from, having mental health issues, coming mm-hmm. from this broken, like coming having like broken, like just the background, the mm-hmm. community uh, that we come from, um, coming from that space and knowing that most likely what should have happened is the same cycle. Right. Like what, don't you feel kind of like a Hezekiah vibe? Like knowing that, that something was, 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 um, if you want to say uh, prophesied that this is what your future is going to be, mm-hmm. but you like prayed and fasted and broke it. You know what I mean? I think it, it, it brings um, the physicality to prayer. It brings the manifestation forward. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we think um, prayers might fall on deaf ears when we talking to God sometimes. Right. Um, I feel like sometimes, um, Wait doesn't mean no or um, not right now doesn't mean no. I think a lot of times we um, are just ve- we want we want stuff when we want it. We want it right now, right. and it, and it is worse 
now than it probably was 10 or 20 years ago. Right. And so I think um, my son's dad, when I first met him, he was the minister of music at the church that I was attending. Mm. And so he helped me in my faith. So he helped me understand prayer. He helped me um, listen to the Holy Spirit. It was so it was certain things with my son that I knew before he came out that he would be different. And so the devil attacks my son probably differently than he attacks my daughters because of the call on his life. Mm. Um, And also um, just understanding like two people and the things that two people deal with and they form into one person. So I kind of understood the struggles that my children would have because I understood the struggles that their father had. Mm. So I understood what I probably would have to deal with ahead of time. Right. Um, and so I think it comes with knowing your partners, um, being aware of who you are mm-hmm. so that you can really determine, you know what to pray for and you know what to pray against. Right. And so I knew that, um, like my son, it, his life was, um, his life had been attacked multiple times by the devil. Um, tried to commit suicide at probably eight or nine years old. Um, mm. just certain things that he craves for attention or a certain, just certain the, the ways that he go about the craving of attention. Now you think if I was very carnal and I didn't have a prayer life or I didn't have a relationship with God, I would, you know, you think certain things like, or if people tell you certain things like, oh, he'll grow out of this, or don't worry about it right now. Or I know you didn't. I know it's a lot. You know what I mean? One school year he got suspended seventeen times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it can be a lot, but I think. Um, just know, I think you have to be very certain in your knowing. Right. And so when you're very certain in your knowing. Right. Um, and who your God is. Right. Then you know what can possibly change. Wow. And, and when it comes to like spiritual warfare, right? When it comes to um, like your children and knowing like who they are. And because um, pe- people don't understand the concept of spiritual warfare right now. Because that's a, it's a myth. It's a... It's probably not the the realest thing for most people to understand in this season. Now, for you, uh, what does spiritual warfare look like you for you right now? Ooh, a lot of things that um, what I have been learning in my studies. Um, I was reading this book called "The Body Keeps the Score," mm. and um, whose book is it? Oh no, it's a um. Uh, I think it's Van Kolk, Van Polk. I can't remember his name, but okay. I'll get it to you. But if you Google the body keeps the score, like basically it shows um, like your issue, the issues are in the tissues or it's, it's a lot of things that manifest that you might go through um, emotionally or mentally, but they will manifest themselves to your body. Right. And so when you become very aware of um, certain things within your body, like for me, um, so a lot of women, they store trauma, childhood traumas mm. or um, issues in their hips. Mm. So if their hips are tight or it's certain, like we do certain hip openers in yoga to release certain things in um, the physical. And I think when you start to identify those things that's going on with your body physically, it's, it's showing you what's wrong with you spiritually right. or emotionally right. or mentally. Um, and I don't think... I don't think these modalities are to be separated. And I think that's Mm. what a lot of us do. Like we separate modalities ways though. We think, Oh, I'm gonna just go to therapy for mental health. Oh, I'm gonna go to my doctor for my physical health 
or oh, um, I'm gonna talk to this person. I'm gonna talk to my best friend about my emotions, and I'm gonna work out because I'm fat, or you know what I mean. And right. so, what happens? What we need to understand is that these modalities need to be coupled with each other. Mm. And when you start putting things together, like oh, I feel this way. Not just I feel this way because I'm eating the wrong stuff, right. but what it was it, it was. It, it was things that we don't even look at, like how was this cow killed? What mm. toxins were released into the body of the animal that I'm consuming? Um, you know, that's one way to think of it. Or um, I got a headache. I, I have a headache because I'm consistently thinking about my anxiety is showing up in my head or my anxiety is showing up in my chest. So it's right. a lot of things that um, emotionally and mentally that are showing up in our physical bodies, but we just think it's normal stuff. So um, I know they say, like, disease is dis-ease a lot of times in the body, and it's so disease true. Yeah, so mm. I think we need to kind of um, start coupling modalities and not just deal with one thing. And I think that's what kind of helped me, too, with mental health and um, the intersection of my faith right. was I had to learn how to bridge the gap between the two. Right. Yo, <laughs> man, and I'm telling you, like, um, yo, I'm telling you, you always coming with the bars, always, yo, always coming with the bars. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, 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 it's so important to hear these things because I, I could double back on so much that you said. Um, so now when I think about you, like, uh, when I, for some reason, I'm, I'm drawn to Sheldon, right? Like he's That's with, fine. That's he's, fine. He's with his father. And like, <laughs> yeah. And like. The great thing is that you are you feel comfort in the fact that like you know he's in with somebody that has their relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's covered in this season. Yeah. Like um and the anointing because people talk about it and you see you know you've seen that in him. So now seeing the anointing, a lot of people don't understand what it takes and when you have an anointing on your life, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And people don't understand that coming from a space, you know, being, and you know, I'll say it, you know what I mean? You have an anointing on your life. I see it all the time. You know what I mean? Being somebody who has three kids and about to be four or five, four baby fathers come bipolar and, and God still chose you to have mm -hmm. an anointing on your life. Um, that's, that's pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it's pressure. It's pressure still because you know. To deal with within yourself. But that's when, in my opinion, it's like you, people, and a lot of stuff we say is very cliche and it's very commonly said, like, um, you have to know who you are. It's really about dealing with identity. Right. Um, and I think with dealing with identity, you really have to understand um, not only who you are, whose you are, why you were created, and detaching your roles from um, who you are. So when somebody says who you are, I think I did an exercise with this outpatient mental health clinic a couple weeks ago, and um, we did a small workshop, and I was telling them to describe themselves without using a title and without using a relationship. Right. So a lot of times, like, when you say, oh, I'm Lanise, it's like, oh, I'm a mother, or, you know, I I own a beauty and wellness company. So without all of that, who are you? And so it starts breaking down to be, um, you know, this is what I was created for. I know what I'm meant right. to do, or this is, I want to be of service to right. this group of people and things like that. And when you start to really understand um, purpose and why you were created, which... 
a lot of times for how would say 99.9% of us we are here to serve mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's serving in the communities in which you relate to right so i know that i'm here for women i know that i'm here for women who are struggling with mental health i know i'm here for women who might be battling issues with co-parenting right. i know i'm here for um my subculture because i can i can relate culture with faith and right. you know what i mean i can intersect it too and i can help you read your Bible and help you understand, you know, what this means naturally for you um, without diluting his word. And so I think um, a lot of that is staying firm in who I am. And Mm -hmm. I think we, we um, are defined by external factors a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And the external factors that, um, that I see when I think about um, a lot of people who are dealing with trauma, our community is plagued with trauma. You know, um, just being in a space where I've been doing this prayer room um, over the last couple of weeks, um, my DM is filled with trauma-filled people, women, <laughs> men, teens. Um, what, how, is it, how important is it for our community? Because I look at us as... As a community, I look at us as a group of people who are stuck in the wilderness right now. Mm-hmm. We are in a wilderness. And the only way we can get out of the wilderness is to deal with our trauma. Like, that's how Definitely. we get to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And we can't say one person has to deal with their trauma and I'm leaving and I'm going to make it to the promised land until we all heal together mm-hmm. as a group. So that's been, I've been very intentional about that. Um, like, how can women, and I'm not going to say women because that's your demographic yeah, specifically, how do they deal, like now dealing with the traumas, and the traumas I'm hearing start with um, molestation, mm-hmm. um, and this is just unspoken because a lot of people just don't speak about it, mm-hmm. um, and even men, but like we'll just still, women, molestation, child abuse, and um, physical abuse, um, and it's and it's... And on top of that, you, if you add in daddy issues, mm-hmm. um, how do how can women start to deal with these things? Because it's holding, it's like the cycle is continuing. Like now, the trauma of what I would say, all these traumas are, are preventing them from being able to, one, be able to um, be open mm-hmm. and feel worthy. Um, two, they get into relationships and now the same trauma that they went through, maybe not the molestation, but because they're so guarded and walled up, Mm -hmm. they're unable to give the love that's necessary to their partner and even to their child. So (laughs) now for the women that are dealing with this trauma and they're dealing with this feeling of unworthiness, where's the start? What's the first step that um, you can suggest to them as far as um, beginning the healing process? Going back to the original incident, mm. um, you got to aggressively, um, you got to take your life by force. Mm. And so um, in therapy, I dive deep. And if I don't feel, if I don't feel like, if I feel like we just talking for a mm-hmm. couple of weeks, no, like I, I tell my therapist, like, I just feel like we in the same place. I don't feel like we're diving deep. And so I feel like you have to aggressively take your life because you, I mean, you, you know, 
the present warfare of this world is not carnal. You know what I mean? And so right. a lot of stuff that we're dealing with is spiritual and it happens there before it even manifests itself physically. So we got to understand that these are the things that childhood traumas, um, relationship issues, all of this type of stuff is is going to keep recycling and reciprocating itself into um, the next child or the next relationship until you deal with the incident. You have to want to break it. And right. so I think we don't we don't attack issues head on. Um, even as friends, we try to sugarcoat things to our friends because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. Um, and I think when you attack the original incident head on, like go to the place where you were touched mm. mentally and understand and then take back, take your power back. Like I think a lot of times we, um, what I have most recently had conversations with women is women who have been molested um, for years. And a lot of times it's by parents, like they did. Mm. With his stepfather. Wow. And so um, your power has been taken. Your voice has been taken. Your innocence has been taken. And so I think you got to go back to that space and you got to take the power back. Wow. And you have to learn how to reparent that child. Because you obviously something fell by the wayside. Sometimes we don't let adults know. And then sometimes we do and we just mishandle or they don't know. They personally don't know how to handle it. And so um, I've never been molested. I have, um, I feel like I started early with exploring sexually mm -hmm. and um, which might have led to my sexual, you know, promiscuity and just being very like promiscuous, right. very young. And um, I think, we don't, we just don't educate the child enough. Right. And that's what I'm learning to do now. It, it's certain things that I didn't do with my 21 year old that I'm doing with my 11 year old. Right. As far as informing her at a very young age, um, about, you know, her vagina and about right. how she presents herself to the world and, right. um, access and privacy and things like that. And I think, um, just going back to, um, the place, the original incident of the trauma. Mm. Because after you are dealing with the original incident of the trauma, you start to develop a belief system behind it. And so then your actions change. Right. So it alters everything, and it's going to continuously alter everything until you go back to the thing that that's triggering everything. Right, right. So, And I'm not a professional doctor. But no, it's, it's, no, it's <laughs> I fine. I have learned I'm it in... I mean, I've, I've what I, I learned a lot. I took a trauma informed life coaching class um, yeah. with Mastin Kip. That was life changing for me because, um, in order for me to go to move forward to help other people, mm -hmm. you really got to deep dive yourself. So I've had a lot of like deep dive interventions, not only in that course, but um, I took I took like an eighteen week long class called Relationship Academy with. Um, a doctor in she like kind of like in another part of Maryland. I right. took that for a while. So I have been just noticing, like, I feel like people aren't aggressively taking action right. to their mental health as much as they do with their outer appearance. Like mm. you'll go, you'll go hard in the gym. Yeah. You know, it's so <laughs> funny. We, I remember I said that the other day, um, I tweeted that I said, people, it's so funny that people are so willing to invest into stocks now, but they're not willing to invest into their mental health. Um, there's just a lot of men and women that are walking around here with these traumas mm -hmm. and they're just cutting everybody around them. And what's happening is you have this child 
inner child that mm-hmm. has this knife and is guarded and is cutting everybody that comes that way spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people aren't doing that healing, especially one thing that people don't talk about is how important it is that men deal with it because men don't want to talk about the fact that they were sexually abused as, as children. Yeah. And because they feel like the next person or the world is going to generally look at them and say, wow, you were abused. You mm-hmm. are, you're not who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that until we really lean into that and, and we have men come forward and say, hey, this is who I am. This is, this is what happened to me. But I am not that. You know what right. I'm saying? Because I just love, and that's why I love you. I'm saying I I sincerely (laughs) love you because um, you have caused me to step into a space where I'm able to just deal with certain traumas. I'm not perfect. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, people look at me and say it's the weirdest thing when people say, oh, my God, don't you? You're the best. And I'll be like. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get that you know too. I mean? I'll be like, I'm nothing but filthy rags, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not being fake humble because sometimes you really just be like, honestly, you just be like, man, I ain't shit. And I tell <laughs> myself that, like, you know what I mean? Just it's certain things where you just be like, girl, why you say that? Why you do that, girl? You ain't shit. Like, you know what I mean? And right. just just being real and being honest with myself, like I am. You know what I mean? But. It also pulls you off this pedestal because people will put you on a pedestal. Right. And then you'll start believing it. Right. Um, and I think um, in this season, is we don't really have humble servants. Right. And so, and, and humble doesn't mean meek or right. insecure. Or, you know what I mean? Like, and humbleness is like, it's like a, it's like the person who comes in a room who don't have to say who they are because right. you already know, you know, you know, you who, know you who you are, are and everybody else is going to see it. Like, and that's, that was something that I prayed for too. Like, I always want to be the light. Right. It doesn't matter where I'm at. If I'm coming to club, if I come in a, a boardroom meeting, if I come into, right. to do a podcast interview, I want to light the room up. Right. And I want people to notice me. I want people, and a lot of times it, it happens. Um, and sometimes you get negative kickback because like you said before, like people just not dealing with their own issues. And so it's like they project Right. A lot of people are projecting right now um, to avoid dealing with themselves. Right. We talk about other people because we don't want to talk about our own issues. Right, right. We don't want to deal with the own issues or it brings so much stuff up. And I think it's so important with what you're doing because you're, you're talking about me and you. I think we're, I, we're in that space. You know, people, some people will say, hey, yo, Lanice, I think you should be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Some people say, Ladoon, I think you should be a pastor. Mm-hmm. But I like where I am yep. in my imperfect space. Because it invites the imperfect person to get to a space where they want to know God. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna pull my phone out on y'all. <laughs> I'm a, it's First Thessalonians nine twenty two. Okay. Um, I can't. I wish I could tell it off the top of my head. I should have had this. When we get to that certain space in our podcast, we'll have it right up there on the wall <laughs> next to us, y'all. But it's First Thessalonians. Is it first or second Thessalonians? It's definitely first Thessalonians. Oh shoot. It's not Thessalonians. It's tattooed on what me. Is it? 922? Is it first or second? It's not Thessalonians. Really? Okay. It <laughs> might be Corinthians. First Corinthians? First Corinthians 922? Or is it second? It's gotta be second. Jeez, Louise. What a sinner I am. Uh 922. 
So I'm here. There's no 922. Okay, first Thessalonians, first <laughs> Corinthians 922. First Corinthians, okay. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to mm. bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news, and I share its blessings. Mm. Would you read 22 to what? Just 22 to 23. 23 right, I want to read it in the Passion Translation. This is my I favorite translation. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all of this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Again, what? my favorite. Where is this Paul. passion? That's what like, I said. What? That, that, now that it, it makes it relatable. <laughs> it's poetic. I'm telling you, it's my. It's only the New Testament, but can you download that it, into the? Yeah, I'm on the Bible upgrade, app, right? Yeah, I'm on the Bible app. I'm download the TPT. It's the Passion Translation. Wow. The best translation right now, but it's By only the, way, the New Testament. Ayo, give me a funk flex bomb <laughs> on that one. Give me a funk flex bomb. When I'm telling you, everything in a passion translation, it is like oh it draws God. you I, in. I gotta call. I, I just ordered a Bible. I gotta send it back. I need the passion. It version. draws you in. I'm telling you, it's like poetry to me. So I Yo, love that, reading it. But so for me, this is, I have this tattooed right here on my chest. Right? You want me read it again? <laughs> I, I thought that's what you meant. It We're said, breaking the fourth wall right now. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all of this so that I would become God's God's, ugh, God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Yo, this is, <laughs> and, but this is my theme. This is my, that's the better version yes. of my theme of who I am. Right. This is why, and, and you know, some people look at me and they say I'm crazy. Like I have a friend of mine, um, she was talking we were talking the other day. She was like, Yo, you still go to the strip club um every once in a while? <laughs> and I'm like, if somebody's having a celebration, yeah. I'm there. Mm. But my light is not dimmed by what's around me because mm. I'm strong enough and I know why. That's good. Because I'm in there and I'll have a stripper come to me and say, Yo, Ladoon, I love your prayers. Yo, I wanna come to your um when can I come to the church you go to? Yep. <laughs> can I can you can I can you pray for me sometime? Because I know we are from this world. We are not of this world. And I and I pray that God continues to keep me and keep this covering over me, keep them over you in this season as we move forward because it's so necessary for us to um, be in this space where we're able to come down. Because some people stay so righteous that mm -hmm. it's, we're so focused in religion, um, more on religion than relationships. Oh, definitely. The fact that people are able to come to you and touch you and, and speak to you and say, wow, you know what I mean? This is who you are. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect. We are imperfect people, and we're just trying to serve a perfect God. Yeah, same you know thing happened to me. It's like when I've... Um I mean, before, before before I got pregnant, pregnant I was, was in drinking. the club. Yeah, <laughs> and I was drinking. And the thing was, like, what I tried to not do is I don't really drink to get drunk. Um, a lot of times drinking makes it easier for you to be around certain people and to deal with certain things, in right. my opinion. And so your friends are drunk. And I most recently, me being pregnant, I'm sober around my drunk friends. And um, I used to get irritated. Right. It, it used to irritate me so much if if I'm sober and they're drunk because, but it really started showing me myself. Right. So I think I went out to a birthday party probably like two weeks ago and I'm actually enjoying myself. I'm sitting, I'm drinking my bottle of water. I'm just watching people just have fun and dance. Um, but 
um, what it started when I started to reflect on myself, I was like, dig, I look like this. And this and what I had to understand too was like, this just isn't how I want to present myself to the world. Mm. And so it's, it, has, it has nothing to do with, oh, I think I'm more righteous than nobody else. So I, I, I just don't, I don't want to be drunk and present myself to the world like this. And I've, I've encountered a lot of um, people come up to me, especially when I started my nine things in my city. I didn't want people to know it was me because I didn't want people to feel a type of way because I was behind the page and the right. page deals with a lot of anonymity, right. um, a lot of privacy, and they uh, they reveal a lot of secrets and a lot of just it's just a lot of personal. No, when I read the at my nine things, <laughs> by the way, anybody who's watching this, type in at my number nine things and you check out the page. It's a page filled with pure transparency, pure yeah. vulnerability. Um, something I do every once in a while. I haven't done it lately because I'm so guilty of so many things <laughs> and I'm just not ready to be transparent, yeah. but it's all timing. Yeah. Um, but it's, they'll, they'll, come, they'll come up to you. They used to wait. Are you my nine things? Like that was the most recent. And just um, people coming into my DMs um, because of my nine things, we kind of, we promote, you know, seeking therapy and different modalities to, um, to be able to cope, not just medication. Right. And so we have, um, so I get long stories um, all the time, or even now. I mean, um, pre prior to my nine things, mm -hmm. it was you know praying for people outside of the club. Like right. it was literally like leaving outside the strip club. Um, a long time, a long time ago, I'm in Atlanta. We leave a Magic City, and this was like right after Katrina. And I made me and all my girlfriends pray for you asking for money. Because you, you know what I mean? And so right. we going we going to pray you out of this. Right. And we going to give you money. You right. know what I mean? So right. we're not just going. So it's, it's it's like they see the light. Right. It, right. Like you said, like it's hard to dim right. the light. Because mm. you didn't ignite it. Right. So sure. you can't extinguish it. At all. Um, when it comes to the end of everything, when it comes to Lenise's Lord Funk's final <laughs> breath. Mm-hmm. What's your legacy? What's your, what's ideally, what you want your legacy to look like? Oh, this is good. Um, <laughs> I want my name to continuously be said. Um, and I think for being very, for promoting vulnerability um, and for promoting people to, to be themselves. Right. And just, I mean, like, I'm a diehard mom. Right. So I want... You know, I want, I want everything. I want the fruits of my labor to be manifested physically, okay. not just through word. Right, right. And what we do here normally is before we wrap up with somebody, we have a rapid fire. Okay, what's that? Simple. It's pretty simple. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go for this. It's five oh, of them. What do I do? Like, what do you do? Now you just answering the question. You get the. You have ten seconds. Of, you probably can do it. These okay. are pretty easy for me. Okay. Um. Hezekiah Walker or Marvin Sapp? Marvin Sapp. Never would have made it or the best in me? Never would have made it. Future or Little Wayne? Future. Favorite book in the Bible? First Corinthians. <laughs> Y'all forgive me for this last one. Classy Azul or, 18, or not, is it 1842? It's 
1942. Okay, see, I know I was, I was wrong. I think it's 1800, and then 1942, and then it's 1748, right? Ah. <laughs> I drink I, I, Casamigos. I, I drink I, Casamigos. I'm a Casa, I would do Casamigos, but I'm I'm saying this because. I love making libations. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do. I love making libations. I love to. I like to cook for people. Okay. So I like to make drinks for people. I'm Fire. not a bartender, but I really like. So we're gonna bring it back. It's gonna be Classy Azul in 1942. Classy Azul. Fire. Yeah. I and thought you said Casamigos. No, no. I said that's what I drink. Oh, you know, okay. I'm poverty drinker. Um, <laughs> God, I can't even drink any of those two bottles either. Way. <laughs> But you know, you do know about Uncle Nearest. No, tell me about it. Uncle Nearest, black owned whiskey company. Oh, okay. She checked them out. Just, you know, plug. For future. Absolutely. Okay. 1856, not 1942. But, yo, before we we jump out of here, um, we usually kick off a prayer, but we have a prayer warrior in the building. Oh. And I normally pray, but I would love for you to pray. Oh, you want me to pray? Yeah, (laughs) pray. Pray us out of here. So who I'm I'm praying for us. I'm so we praying, praying for just before. just just a general prayer today. Okay. Ah. Uh, whoo! You gonna put me on the spot? Mm. Okay. All hearts and minds. Shamanaya. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. God, we come to you today as humble as we know how. Just to first and foremost say thank you, God. God, we thank you for this relationship with Ladoon. God, we thank you for covered by God and the unconventional Christian. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing with this podcast. God, we thank you with everything that you're doing with this apparel line. God, we want to drive conversation that brings your people closer to you, God. God, we want to drive a life. We want our life to shine as a Bible, God. God, sometimes we understand that this will be the only Bible that some people will read. They will see our life and they will see more of you God God we ask that everybody under the sound of my voice will learn to draw themselves closer to you to let down the weights to let them to be vulnerable God let to allow them to be transparent allow them to be better parents God God we ask that every broken heart that listens to this God God that you mend God God we ask that you make every crooked place straight God God we ask that you make every everything that they are struggling with, God, we make it easier for them to bear, God. God, we ask that you control every mind, God, God, that you come in and that you just give grace to people who need it, God. God, we we understand that some points of our life we are at a Damascus road where we must make decisions whether we are going to live for you or we're going to continue to persecute your people, God. God, we ask that you give us grace to learn how to live for you, God. God, we ask that you give us grace to learn how to open ourselves up to you, God. God, we ask that you cover our children in the midst, God, the children that are here and that the children that are to come forth, God. God, we ask that you bless our legacy, God. God, we ask that anything that we leave behind physically on this earth, God, will bless you to your name, to the ends of the earth until you come back and receive your people, God. God, in the in these next moments, God, anybody that listens to the sound of my voice, God, God, we I ask that you you cover them and not only with the blood of Jesus, God, God, but you give them every all of their heart's desires, God. God, they didn't ask for these things, God. God, you gave them des- the desires of their heart, God. God, we ask that not only that you implant the desires in their heart, but you actually physically manifest the desires that they are craving for, God. God, we ask that you meet every need, every need that is mental, every need that is physical, every need that is financial, every relational need that they have, God. God, we ask that you mend brokenness, God. God, we ask that you heal every hurt and heart that might have been 
damaged in childhood, God. God, we ask you to pull them out and teach them how to parent themselves, God. Any lack, God, that you you fulfill God, not just financially, God, but anything that might be lacking mentally, anything that might be lacking spiritually, God, God, we ask that you draw them closer, God, we ask that you fill them up, God, God, we ask that all these things we ask in your name, God, and we say amen. 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 I was like, let's just stop there. You stop there in the middle, girl. Let's just Yo, stop there. I love oh, you. I, I say it again and I say it. I, I, I love you. And um, I, I've said it to a, a million people. I mean, not a million people, probably the few people that have been on a podcast mm-hmm. before. But there's so much deeper we can go with this conversation. And, I, yeah, and no. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. We can pause um, for a part two. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Um, yo, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Unconventional Podcast. My name is Ladoon Thompson. You have... Um, at Lord Funk on Instagram. And um, yeah, this is it, man. Y'all have a blessed one. <laughs>